couple of months ago, when we were really at the height of the pandemic, um, out in New York in particular, where you were seeing these scenes almost every night, I remember one scene, it was a meme, wound up as a meme going around the internet, and it was one of those images of the parking lot outside of the hospital where things were so overcrowded, they were doing triages there. And there was a sign on this makeshift tent in the parking lot, and it just said, you know, uh, do not enter, no family, no friends, no this, all these restrictions. And at the bottom, someone had written in, just scrawled by hand, and no God. And I remember thinking to myself, I can really see why someone might feel that way. Where is God in the midst of this? Where is God in this plastic sheeting covered tent in the parking lot of a hospital as people are literally gasping for life and you're trying to decide who are we gonna see first, who are we not gonna see first, and maybe that's a decision between life and death. And it's a question that I know I as a priest and probably lots of you maybe have heard or at least wondered about. And you, you know, pick your event over the course of spring and summer. Where is God in the midst of this? And it doesn't mean that we're atheists, but maybe it's just a question. If there is a God and he's all loving and he's all good and he's all powerful and he's all that, then why is this happening? Or where is the presence? Or how do I find that presence? So I like the fact that when the church gives us this first reading about Elijah, they end it where they do. And some of you know I'm often a harsh critic on the way the church picks and chooses their readings for the lectionary. But I think they really get it absolutely right tonight. Because it's Elijah and he's in the cave and God tells him, I'm going to be coming. But he doesn't tell him when exactly and he doesn't tell him how. And so there's a storm, there's an earthquake, and then there's this little tiny whispering sound. Now, 2300 year spoiler alert, maybe you know which of those is God. But they cut the reading off before we're told. And I love that fact, because maybe you don't know that story, and maybe this is the first time you've ever imagined somebody stumbling into a church, they know nothing about the Bible, and the church withholds the punchline. Well, where is God? Is God in the storm? I guess that would probably make sense. That's how it is in the movies. Is God in the earthquake? What's this little whispering voice? And as is always the case in the Bible, there's a backstory. There's a reason why the character you see is where he or she is. And for Elijah, the story is pretty dramatic. He's just had this scene with all these false prophets. Elijah's a true prophet. And if you remember the scene, you know, there's dozens of these false prophets. And Elijah challenges them to a battle, basically. Because the king with his false prophets is saying, look, don't tell me you're the prophet of the God of Israel. I've got these guys here. And so long story short, they basically duke it out, so to speak. And Elijah wins. He wins. And all these false prophets are shown to be false prophets. And this is often the case when somebody shows you up, you're not very happy about it. And so the king basically goes after Elijah the king and the queen, and Elijah is running for his life. He's a hunted man. If he's caught, he's going to be killed. He's in that cave because he's literally hiding for his life. And God says, when you're in that cave 
and all the king's army is after you, waiting to kill you if they catch you. I'm going to be coming by, and I'll give you your next assignment. So if you're in that situation, you're all caught up in this literally bloodthirsty drama. You've been running for your life. You're full of nothing but over-the-top excitement and violence. Where are you going to be looking for the presence of God? And that's a question every one of us can always ask ourselves. No, we're not running for our lives, hopefully. But where is it that we look for God? If you're standing there at the tent, the triage tent, because somebody you love has just been taken in there and you can't go, and somebody asks you, well, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Catholic, you know God is everywhere. God loves you unconditionally. So where's God now? Where do you look? How do you find that presence? So a little test maybe, or an invitation that I'd give you, because that isn't such an impossible question to answer. I'm not pretending that it's easy, but it's not impossible, and we don't just have to guess, or we don't just have to spout out some platitude that maybe we don't even really believe in the moment. One thing to look for is freedom. Because here's the thing, when we ask the question, is God here or not, it's always going to be about a choice. It's not a question of just sitting back and looking at God. God's not a work of art for us just to sit and marvel at. God is a person to engage in relationship. So if we're going to answer the question, is God here or not, and if God is, then where and how, that's going to mean we'll know it because of a choice or a decision or an action that we make. So pay attention to freedom. If I make this choice versus that choice, am I more free or am I more restricted and confined? So let's go to the person at the entrance to the triage tent. They don't have power over life and death. They can't magically make the virus go away. They can't snap their fingers and have their loved one who's on the ventilator suddenly come off. So what choice do they have that is perhaps more free rather than less? Well, it might be for them the choice to stay there, the choice to resist the temptation, to just fly off the hand and rage. Maybe the choice to actually offer themselves in support of some of the other people who are there right next to them, grieving or distraught. I don't know, lots of possibilities. What's an alternative possibility? An alternative possibility would be to let yourself get caught up in the drama of the moment. To let yourself rage in anger. Why are you doing this? Give me an answer. Don't you know who I am? All the things we sometimes slide into when we feel helpless or angry or frustrated. That's just one example, and I don't know what I would do if I were in a case like that. I'm not pretending that I would always make the choice for freedom. But whatever it is for you, whatever it is in your life right now that maybe you're wondering, where is God in the midst of this? It doesn't have to be a big dramatic situation. But this side of heaven, there are always going to be times where we're not quite sure where God is. Think of a relationship. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with families, friends, co-workers. They're decisions we're making all the time. Maybe we're exercising authority. Are we doing it in a way that we literally feel more free? Or are we making the decision that makes us more controlling, more 
worried, more looking over the person's shoulder. So that's one thing to pay attention to. The decision that allows us to recognize and engage with God is always going to be a decision that leads to a freer heart. And the second thing I would just offer is pay attention to hope. Hope versus despair. A decision that engages us more truly with where God really is, is always going to be a decision that is in some way, shape, or form connected to hope. And I say hope, not certitude that the bad thing is going to go away. The presence of an all-loving, all-powerful God in our world does not automatically mean bad things don't happen. Sometimes we're told that as little kids, and we weren't done any favors. For the kids who are here, allow me not to do you a disfavor. And yet, even though there can be struggles at times, that doesn't mean the lie which said God isn't there is true. And so consequently, there are decisions that are more hope-filled than others. Those decisions that allow us to give of ourselves in love, in generosity. Those decisions that allow us, even in the face of the suffering, right? Even in the face of the suffering to say, maybe this person is near the end of their life, I can't change that, but I can be with them, I can love them in that moment, I can let them know that they are loved. Maybe I'm struggling with this thing that I don't have control over. I wish I did, but I don't. That doesn't mean I have to give in to despair. And the definition of despair is not struggle or hardship. There are plenty of good, quality, loving choices we make that are hard and difficult. But despair means the erosion of hope. Why bother? Why even give the effort? See, I tried this thing. It didn't work out. I told you. What a waste. And those decisions that lead us down that road are never going to be the decisions that allow us to say, yes, God is here. So back to Elijah. With all the drama, all the violence, all the rage he's been dealing with, be easy to see why he might say, okay, if God is going to come and pull me out of this mess, if God is going to save me from this bloodthirsty army that's coming after me, then yeah, he's probably in that storm. He's probably in that earthquake. That's the God I need. But if you think about it, if that's what he went after, all he would be doing is further confining himself in the violence that was being visited upon him. All he would be doing is making a choice that basically says, why even bother? If you've got a bigger army than your enemies, okay, and if you don't, tough. A choice towards hope or a choice towards despair, a choice that leaves our heart more free or a choice that leaves our heart more confined. And the choice that is free and the choice that is hope-filled does not automatically mean it's the choice that removes whatever the difficult situation is. It doesn't take away the triage tent. It doesn't mean we automatically have our jobs back. It doesn't mean that painful, broken relationship is suddenly healed. But it does mean that it allows us to recognize where the presence of God really is. And that's not a consolation prize. To know that God, to engage in our God, really is transformative. But we're never going to know it unless we make the choices that bring us into relationship with him. 
I'm not going to tell you where Elijah found God. You can look it up for yourself. But they're the choices that allowed him to be freer and more hopeful.